clubhouse. You have no future, none, beyond this place. And if you don't find a way to get her trust back, you're not going to have this either. And then your life is, well, it's like your father's life. And you know how that ended. There's two roads in life. One is you're winning or learning. And the other is that you're losing all the way to the fucking grave. Boy, you better choose quickly. Or life's gonna choose it for you. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And welcome back to Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone Season 4. This is Episode 4 called Winning or Learning, Not Losing. Well, hopefully not losing. Yeah. (laughs) I miss you. Thank you for coming to see us. It was really fun. Thank you for all the hospitality. And we got to like record like that supersized episode with Caroline and Paul. That was amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed that one because that was probably the most fun podcast I think I've recorded to date. Agreed. I had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> so you'll have to come here and we'll we'll do some deli yeah. trip bagels and schmears and you know. It took you to barbecue because yes. you have to have Texas that was barbecue. So good. You know, I I, I had taken a picture of my food to send to my husband so this way he could salivate over it because he has a smoker <laughs> in the backyard. And I'm like, okay, this is your next assignment is brisket. Yes. Brisket. <laughs> Must have. But you have to get it like Texas good. Can't just get so it good. good. So I, I did stop at Bucky's. I was like, you have to go to Bucky's. I I loved Bucky's. I took a picture in front of the little Bucky <laughs> and I sent it to you. And yes. I hope my husband's not listening. I did get him some Christmas presents. Oh, good. From Bucky's. I got him some fajita seasoning and some brisket seasoning. Just, nice. you know, just to make some sort of suggestions. You will not go wrong with that choice. And I got some beer koozies with the Bucky's logo on it. If you're not from Texas, it is a gas station, but it is not. It is so much no, more. No, it is an emporium. It is. It's, it's, it's like food. a general store. I would say it's like a general store, but like yes. the nicest but general clean. store. Clean. The bathrooms. Yo. Mwah. Chef's kiss. I know, right? It's the cleanest bathroom I'd ever stopped in. <laughs> it's so funny to me that that's like their advertisement on the road as you're driving is like clean bathroom. And you go and it really is the cleanest gas station bathroom. And the food. I mean, you're not giving it justice. There's stations of food like you get like your like pizza. homemade. Yeah, they had a whole banana like, pudding station. Homemade fudge. Did you see what's called beaver nuggets? And you were like, what the heck is that? It's a whole thing. Yeah. We're here to talk about Yellowstone. Exactly. Okay, hot take. What was your thoughts on this episode? I like this episode overall because I like that we checked in with Jamie more and got more of a feel where he's at. And with Casey and John, I like that. I like their interactions. I, you know, I think this episode wasn't very action packed, but that's okay. Not every episode can be full on, you know, war. So I like that we sort of moved these characters along a little bit. I've heard people comment that, or I've seen comments that it was boring, but I don't think it was. I mean, you have to have some of this daily interactions and in life decision kind of episodes. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I really like this episode for a lot of reasons. The character development that you touched on, I was just nodding my head along with it. I'm like, oh, wait, she can't see me. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like the, the time spent with Jimmy and Travis, I think that went a long way to like giving us better insight into like where they're thinking Jimmy might go and he might end up either being a better cowboy or never setting foot on a like near a horse again. But also I, I want to say like I'm going to go on a limb here and say I think this was the best KC episode ever. Ever. We're finally getting to see more of what's going on inside of his brain as opposed to him just shooting a gun. Like there's much more interaction with him and John, which we noted the last two episodes, I'd say. Yeah. But now like him and Monica, like he's taking a very different tone. And I feel even with Jamie, like I feel like this was the best acted Casey or the best written Casey. I can't really fault Luke Grimes is acting to the point, but I feel like they just gave him better material to work with this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say out of the 30 plus episodes of Yellowstone, this was probably his Casey's best episode. Yeah. I know that's like a bold statement. How he, you know, was so calm with Jamie. Because I feel like earlier Casey would have just been a little bit gruffer and maybe not have had like the quiet strength that he showed. And then also just having the emotional intelligence with Monica to read the room better. This is where he's really grown a lot as a character. Even the interaction with John and Beth, I think there was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a little crass. I just think that there was a lot in this episode to develop these characters further, to, to lay the foundation of where the season is going. And like you said, yeah, it doesn't always have to be gangbusters all the time, but yeah. there was a lot in this episode. For it to be called boring, I'm going to say no. go back and watch it and pay attention to the nuance. You have to kind of digest it for what it is. Um, yeah. I, I would say look at it through the lens of, of Casey. You know, what did this do for you in terms of him as a character? You know, what did we learn about Jamie this episode? I feel like there was a lot yeah. going on. Like, I liked, I want to talk about that later. That was yeah. such a good... And then also uh, so just with Jimmy, episode. there was just so much in terms of moving these characters along that pendulum of of where we love them and why we love them, and just Jimmy making his way in the world. I just I liked the conversation with him and Travis. At first, I was like, "Eh, where is this really going?" Yeah. And then I was like, "Okay." I kind of thought about it. I was like, "All right, uh, I'm here for this." I was somewhat distracted. I'm not gonna lie by all of this Facebook <laughs> drama over Yellowstone this week. Between episode three and episode, and then their take on episode four, I mean, I kind of, it was taking away a little bit my attention on the episode because I really am surprised at this sort of backlash on Monica that came from Facebook. I have to jump in and defend her. I agree. I didn't comment because I don't like getting into Facebook commentary with strangers. Yeah, no, um, I agree. But, too, but I wanted to several times. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta, you know? Well, and a little bit annoying that the same comment kept being made as like a new post and then it would start all over again. Yeah, so brand like, new oh thread. My gosh. But I mean, that was a highly commented on thread yes. of like I, bashing Monica. I don't get it. I'm gonna just going to say that flatly. I just don't think that the fans are necessarily paying attention to who she is and the background and what she's been through. And maybe that episode she was annoying or whatever. They called her whiny. But I'm thinking of the big picture like this girl is traumatized. But what I was sort of surprised to find out too is in the commentary, people were like, oh, I've never liked her. She should be gone. She should have been gone a long time ago. And I'm thinking, where's this coming from? Like, were you totally surprised by all that? Or did you get it? I was surprised at like the harshness, the vitriol that was coming from these comments. I mean, some people were out and out like, yeah, by Felicia and I know. just 
send her packing. It, it, it was mean. Let's put it that it way. Like it was like a mob. It was. It was like mob <laughs> it justice. Was a mob. You know, like I kind of jumped in because I mean, like I don't normally try to get on the internet and argue with strangers, but I mean, like I, I feel like the comments that came back you know, on mine at least, you know, they were respectful, but it was just yeah. like, I, I get it. I called her the moral compass, right? Mm-hmm. That I said she has the unsexy position of being the moral compass in the family of really moral, morally questionable people. And for that, she sticks out. But I also like defended her saying, this is stuff that you and I have talked about over, you know, these 35 episodes or whatever it's ended up being. She didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Casey had no relationship with his family when they met. The first time that she had an interaction with John, he wanted her to abort their son. You know, it doesn't really leave a good taste in her mouth. Casey killed her brother. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot for this chick. Like, Cut her some slack. My gosh. And, you know, you just in, like prepping for the show, you and I talked about like she's having a trauma response. Yes. Like not only to her son having been kidnapped, you know, several months prior to the assailant in their house trying to kill both of them. So she's dealing with that. She's dealing with the trauma from being almost killed in her kitchen and her son being the one to have like you know, saved her. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on with her. You know, we, we do have to come back to this notion that, like, this is a show about conflict. Mm-hmm. The conflict that a lot of people don't want to, like, talk about is, like, we as a nation have a really nasty heritage with the, the Native American nations that inhabited this place before us. White people have run roughshod over rights and land and herding these people onto reservations and taking away their liberties. Also, the what happened with Beth, what manifested with her with the sterilization, like that is a practice. Yeah. There's a lot going on that there's a lot going on that she represents that's like below the surface. I know what you're saying. Like yeah. this, she's had a lot of emotions and thoughts and build up into this family, into this relationship. Like it's a, it's not just this one day. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, I it's, mean. It's, come on, you as a mom, it's never the thing that makes you fly off the handle no. that, you know, brought it on. It's all the things that you let slide prior to it. You yes, know? exactly. Like the, that, that's why that saying the straw so, that broke the camel's back, right? I don't, I hope that our listeners don't hate us too much for siding with Monica, but I just feel like everyone was being a little bit harsh on her and that she should not go <laughs> from this series. We see a lot of commentary that the Buckle Bunny should go. Maybe I can get on board with that one, but I don't know. I think they're being a little harsh on Monica. I was sort of distracted by some of that yeah. this week. <laughs> like, man. I like her and I think that she's sometimes the only sane person in that room when you know, you have people blowing up river dams and oh, come on, what are some of the other heinous things that they've done? You name it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, it, they, oh, they blew up a trailer. Yeah. Several, haven't they? Yeah. There was the, well, the, for Jimmy's belt buckle, that's the one that sprang to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole train station thing that she doesn't know about. Yeah. There's, a, there's just a lot that goes on. And, and I think you and I have said this too, like along the way, like, are these good people? Uh-huh. And Monica just reminds us that sometimes that there are other ways to live. And I think for that, she sticks out and she's an easy target because she is sort of the, the lightning rod for morality. And she's calling out a lot of the things that John does as evil. And yeah, Casey's kind of come around to John's way of thinking, and I think that scares her. I've also been on the defense of Jamie a lot um, over the seasons, you know, over all of our conversations as I'm 
I'm not going to say Team Jamie, but I feel bad for the guy, you know? A little bit of commentary on Facebook about him, and that was good to read. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what you thought about his meeting with... Her name was Ruth. Yeah, so it had to do with the airport, right? So yeah. the airport that's being built on his family's land. For me, it was just like he was just laying out some of the details about the agreement that we've we've been told has happened. So I think Mm -hmm. this was a way for us to learn more about the deal that Jamie made, because even as I sort of lay in sort of like the DMZ zone of like, is Jamie a party to the hit on the Duttons? I, there, there's a lot of things in this episode that have made me kind of waver back and forth. But if I wanted to lay a couple of things at Jamie's feet, I'm going to say he's shrewd um, because what he did with this lease deal for me was just like, so he he laid out that this was a private land build. Mm-hmm. So like it's happening on his family's land. He leased it. So it's still in their possession, therefore exempt from an environmental impact study. And I was like, I sat back a second. I was like, oh, damn, Jamie, you smart. Because <laughs> he, he basically neutralized Angela Blue Thunder's her argument at the end of last season. She was like, you know, is there an environmental impact study? Oh, well, that's going to be the basis of her lawsuit. By him leasing it, it did a couple of things. It kept the, the land in the Duttons jurisdiction right it kept it part like their ranch's whole john you know his whole thing was like yeah i don't want to sell the land i don't want to sell so jamie held to that even right. knowing what he knew at that point that he was adopted and like his dad's filling his head with a lot of different things about killing the king and you know he didn't treat you right jamie still held fast to john's wish of keeping the land sovereign if you will to keep that right. kingly notion there by bringing in the fact that Montana will be like a beneficiary of it with these jobs and things like that, he really, he killed a lot of birds with this one stone. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I feel proud of him almost in this episode because, you know, where we fault him for not having like a direction, he seemed to have found his footing or some confidence or whatever you want to call it. And he has thought about this, you know, and he seemed to have put together a smart way to handle it. And like he explained with Casey, he handled the John situation by not contacting them, you know, by helping these murders on the ranch be written off or whatever. So I'm like proud of him first, you know, having a backbone or making a decision and having a direction. He was almost Beth-like in the way that she accounts for all scenarios in her actions. Yeah. So I feel like he almost took a page out of her playbook in order to to execute this deal. I'm like I said, I'm still not sure where he falls on the spectrum of what he knows about what happened to the Duttons or what role he played if he did, but he definitely is his found his stride. And I like what you said yeah. that he found his confidence because I think that's really what it's come down to is that he's making his way, learning what he's learned, you know, along the way from the Duttons and I think he's taking in some of the characteristics that his dad has been sharing with him. He's he's like coming into his own, but what yeah. that means I'm not sure yet. Right. Like <laughs> I feel a little is. bit more confident in that he's trying to like keep peace with his family. Like, he may not want to, like you said, I think we said last episode, go to Christmas dinner. But, you know, he's trying to sort of smooth it over enough to where, hey, I'm going to do my thing. This is how I'm going to handle it. But you guys are taken care of in my way. You know, and I'm just, I think he handled it really well. And I was just a little bit, I was happy to see that he wasn't quite 
as much of a bad guy as we were wondering. Do you know what I mean? We were assuming, right? We We were assuming. We were, you know, drinking that Kool-Aid, I guess, if you want to go there. The way that he interacted with Casey when Casey came to see him, this... this, That was, yeah. Yeah, this was really good. I mean, Really good. He really laid out so clearly all the things he did in favor of the Duttons. Exactly. uh, Keeping John with police protection while he was in the hospital. You know, basically sweeping the whole investigation under the rug as to the murders that occurred at the ranch and then Casey's even his interaction with with the the guys in the two-tone van, right? I took for granted that stuff just went away. Like, that's just the Yellowstone, right? You know, forgetting that he's in this position to sway law enforcement or sway the judiciary in such a way as to, no, you don't need to look at that. You don't need to look at that. Yeah. You know, kind of like Wizard of Oz, like the man behind the curtain kind of thing. Yeah. I just took for granted that those, that stuff happened. But for him to lay it out there, I think we all kind of forgot like, oh, he did have a role to play. Yeah. Like he is still protecting the Dutton family. Right. And then even now with this land lease, he's still protecting the Duttons. Whereas, you know, you and I could have sold it for. Yeah, you know? he could have sold it. They had, what we said, 500 million reasons or for motive. Right. Yeah. But now I'm not so sure because. He's done all of this stuff. And now now, this is where the cynical side of me comes in. Mm -hmm. Did he do all of this to play up the ruse that he didn't have anything to do with it? I I see this is where I'm fascinating. I'm not sure. Yeah, I just don't think so. But I mean, you're not wrong for questioning that because it is possible. But I think I always tend to be like, no, he's a nice guy. (laughs) I thought that it was interesting that Jamie told Casey you know, Beth is the one who's poisoned me to everybody, especially yeah. to John. So this is where I come back to like Casey's character and his development. And like, this was his best written episode because Casey tells John, he, he defends Jamie's innocence. Yeah. He does it. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, basically he's staking his reputation on the fact that it wasn't Jamie. I don't know. Jamie looks so bewildered when Casey said, I love you, brother. Like, oh, no. it took him a second to recover. And I just feel like, like, yes, Casey, like, they're finally giving you more depth and, you know, showing that there's a human underneath all, mm-hmm. all of that gruff exterior and all that hair. <laughs> <laughs> all the hair. All that hair. Yeah, I just don't know what he did, like, what he intended to do with that statement because he just looked bewildered. And then I was sad because I was like, has this man not been told enough in his life that he loved, like, he's loved? Uh, probably not. And probably not. Um, so Casey gives him the, the info, right, that John got. Right. So this is where I keep going back and forth on my theory about, like, did Jamie have a hand in this? Who ordered the hit? Because, you know, th- there's also lots of fan theories abounding, and we can kind of tack that on to this conversation. This man Riggins and his father shared a cell for a long time, from like yeah. 2008 to 2014. That's a long time. I'm going to backtrack for a second. So during the conversation with Casey, Jamie's body language was a little questionable to me. He was looking down a lot. I mean, he was reading the file, I guess, as well. But he like he was scratching like the back of his head. He, he was doing a lot of things that didn't just convey hmm. that he was at ease in the car. And I went back a second time to like, am I imagining it? Did I? So when I went back to rewatch it, I was specifically looking for his body language. And he wants to know, like, the source of the information. Is that really important for him? Maybe. But, you know, it's yeah. like, why did he want to know? Did he want to know, like, who leaked the info? <laughs> That's where the cynical side of me was coming no. into it. He can't necessarily trust these interactions with his family yet or at all. Like, So I think he was just being guarded. Like doing his due diligence? As yeah, like can attorney. you tell me where this came from? Yeah, like 
I mean, I think he was just sort of also protecting himself. Like his brother shows up in his office. I mean, he would be more scared if Beth showed up, but he's still not sure where why Casey's there or like where they stand. So I just thought he was being guarded and cautious with this interaction. I think that's fair. Um, I love that you're just like, <laughs> like you said, cynical. It's just fun to hear that side of the story. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> like my, my mind just goes there because like we still, it's so open-ended. So some of the distracting things, you know, for me this week with Facebook, uh, with the, 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 the two really big Yellowstone fan groups was a couple of different theories. One that, that Malcolm Beck is still alive. Right. In TV world, sure, that's possible. I mean, he was really I'm going to say no, but you go ahead. Okay. So I, I, <laughs> it's possible. I mean, someone said that uh, his brother Teal was likely the, to be one who survived. I'm like, no, that man died on no. the toilet. Like, no. like we've watched this a no. lot. No, he died. But Malcolm Beck <laughs> said, you know, John said, you know, do you want me to stay with you? He says, no, I want to die in peace kind of thing. The only reason that Malcolm Beck makes sense is because he already had the militia connections. And I'm thinking maybe Chester might have been the person that he'd gone to to kind of like dance with the militia. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, did maybe Jamie go in with Malcolm Beck to orchestrate the hit because Malcolm already had the the connections? Yeah. So like the thing that kind of like had me scratching my head a bit was when um, Jamie saw that Garrett, his dad, was a cellmate. And he's just like he just looked appalled. He says, oh, my mm-hmm. God. And just... So I was just like, if he's in on the plan, he would have known this connection. And then why would he be so appalled? Or is he appalled because now they found out the obvious connection between? It's making me think that he's not involved. My immediate take on it, and I just turned to my husband, was like, oh, my God, he didn't know. Like, he just didn't know. That's all. Right. I mean, all of these theories are possible. I, just, I guess I just take what I see for what it is. So I see I that like to he play didn't armchair know. armchair detective. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say he didn't know. And then I'm also going to jump ahead a little bit. The previews for episode five. Yes, exactly. Also kind of gave me. Those were some good previews. Yes. So I was like, ooh. Well, then yes. the other thing that I was like, okay, I, I'm exonerating Jamie a little bit. Like I'm not taking him out of the yes category altogether, but I'm putting him into the I'm not sure about you category in terms of his role in this because they're not going to show in a preview, a trailer, mm-hmm. the crux of the plot like they're just not going to do that big plot reveal in a trailer so i don't think i think that taylor sheridan is showing us something and we're going to be like (gasps) at the end of it right because we're just gonna be like we didn't see it coming just like we didn't see everything that happened in season two with the becks and then ultimately that ending up in tate's kidnapping we didn't see that Mm -hmm. coming nobody had that on their scorecard for like weird stuff that the duttons were gonna have to deal with (laughs) so i feel like they're showing us this and it's like leading to garrett and to jamie but this episode in particular and mostly when i saw the trailer for episode five i was like "Mm, this isn't jamie this isn't him someone is making it making it look like he's good for it but it's not him i feel like it's going to be somebody out of left field and one of the out of left field (laughs) one of the out of left field theories that i saw on facebook actually just today was bob schwartz Okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay. At first I was like, mm, I don't know. But then I was like, ooh. But like Beth would have probably like confided in him maybe a little bit over the years. He might know about some of her history with Jamie. 
and making basically I'm like, who's in a position to like set Jamie up is kind of like where I came to this. So he might be in a good position. He's got money. He's got connections. He knows Montana. It'll be interesting, but it is one of those out of left field things. I'm like, hey, we can't discount it on its face. It looks a little crazy. A little bit. No, I've yeah been immersed in all of these comments as well. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. I think I'm just going to take it for what I saw and that Jamie didn't know. And it makes sense or looks like it's Garrett Randall just trying to, I guess, make a way for Jamie or for whatever reason. It's interesting that it could be his dad like doing this for him. But is he reading the I room mean, right? Is he reading the room right? Like, does Jamie want them all out of the picture? Because he's still working, quote unquote, for the ranch, doing all these things that he showed, you know, showed up for Casey for. I mean, I don't think he would be all that upset if they weren't in the picture. I mean, I don't think Jamie is really wanting to be a part of the family anymore. I think he's trying to do what they, you know, like sort of what's best for the ranch because he still has. Is he completely cut out of the, the will or is he still invested somehow like it was never really made clear right? yeah i would think that he had if he's you know not completely disowned then he still has some benefit to the ranch succeeding so i don't really think that he wants it to disappear but i don't think he's gonna be like too upset if they oh beth died like you know what I, mean? like, I don't think he's gonna be at the funeral yeah well yeah he said the only two places oh well he, he would yeah her death bed or a courtroom yeah uh, which i thought so, was a great I mean, there was a lot of great one-liners in yeah. this episode yeah i'm just not sure like i think jamie's really just in for casey at this point because i think casey's yeah. really just the only one who's been decent to him over the years not funny but i just took note of when casey was like he doesn't hate you we'll talk about john i'm thinking hmm are you sure? Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Mm. Kind of does. <laughs> think Jamie handled this very well for his past, you know, interactions. I like this sort of put together more, a little bit more confident in what he's got laid out from the previews. It looked like this whole revelation about his father kind of threw him for a loop. So I'm excited. I like Jamie as a character because he's just all over the place. I have to say, he's just all over the map. He, so. Yeah, he provides a lot of commentary for me and conversations that I have about Yellowstone. People are like, what in the heck? I'm like, come on. Like, like no, Jamie like is him. definitely one of the most interesting characters. That I agree. I, airtime. I agree. He, he's just, and then like deepening his backstory with the whole adoption thing, it explains so much. Like, that's why when you and I went back and did like the rewind for season one and season two, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much more sense yes. why they treat, why, especially why John treats Beth, him a certain well, way. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like a second class citizen. A lot about Enough Jamie. about Jamie for today. Let's bring him back next week. Okay, let's talk about Beth and this crazy savage meeting with this, what'd she call herself? Big dogs off the porch. Um, yeah. She's so scary. She is pretty scary. So I want to say, like, you and I last season, we were, like, hoping for this, like, Big Beth team up with Angela Blue yes. Thunder, like, just female power versus female power. I kind of got that satisfaction from this encounter. Caroline Warner. I want to say Warner. Weaver, but her the, character, the actress's name is Jackie Weaver. This is Caroline Warner. Like, this was Beth's match. Yes. Not intimidated like by her. Ellis was like, I'm out. I know. So funny. <laughs> I, he, I love how she makes men just disappear. It's so funny. Um, no, I just really liked how Caroline wasn't intimidated in the least by the unnerving things that Beth was saying. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Beth was coming in there with a degree of familiarity with the place, using that to her advantage, right? To like kind of set the mood. And Caroline was having none of it. I just liked her boss-ass bitch approach. 
Yeah, I did too. And she's just not intimidated. She's not scared. Let's play. Let's do this. <laughs> Let me ask you about this this sentence, this statement that Caroline makes. Like she's throwing out the barbs, basically like you're in for the fight of your life. And she throws out this SEC investigation for market manipulation and insider trading on that land grab deal that Beth had for building the moat around the Yellowstone. What did you make of that whole interplay between Beth and her and Beth's reaction? Did you see her eyebrow? (laughs) Her eyebrow twitched. (laughs) Beth's eyebrow twitched when she was taking a sip of her drink. This is why watching things on an iPad, like close to your face is good because I can pick up (laughs) on a lot of these different things. Beth almost switched and was like, all of a sudden, like, okay, I'll play ball. Like, yeah. you have my attention. Well, I liked that Caroline laid it out. She's like, choice number, door number one, the fight of your fucking life. Door number two, let's play ball. Let's Work do this. Work for me. Did not Work see- for me. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I was like, what the? But yeah, I think that she has Beth's attention. And I like that. I like that she's, Beth's, she's met her match, you know, in this conversation. So one of the things you and I said last season that stuck with me is that Beth likes to toy with her food before she devours Mm -hmm. it. I felt like this was like the tables being turned. I felt like Caroline just kept playing with her saying, like, I have all I need out of your father's land for now. She was just throwing out Bethisms that like if that had been Beth saying it would be like, yes, yes, that's what she does. But I don't think Beth was prepared for this level of opponent opponent yeah like really Mm -hmm. having this level of an opponent like someone who's as smart and as shrewd as she is who's done the chess moves and is able to say yeah i'm going to call it the sec and they're going to be on your ass then to stop the car and throw in reverse (laughs) and say come and work for me be this corporate raider i imagine her like sorry indiana jones kind of popped into my head when she said corporate raider uh yeah (laughs) I just was surprised at how fast this turned into, well, let's become an ally. And that Beth went along with it. I don't think that we should be ready to trust this yet. But I guess she was spooked by her threat and was like, okay, let's let's discuss it. So, I mean, I don't see how that would work. <laughs> her working for market equities, like that's... Did Caroline see that Beth would want the stake in Schwartz and Meyer? as Mm. the the way in which to get back at bob like is that something that she considered probably i would guess so because she says like this is a name your price offer so she must have considered yeah this is what she would ask for right like the Mm -hmm. all the things that she could ask for because it's not just for beth it's not about money right it's going to be about the satisfaction she's going to get from this interaction for me i i didn't think that she was surprised by it but she's like you're going to fire him but she didn't consider that beth is going to you know bankrupt his grandkids I'm just wondering how it's going to backfire on market equities because it yeah, always does. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how this is would be a mutually beneficial agreement because it, it doesn't seem like it would work out. But I think, you know, what do they say? Keep your enemies closer. And I think like Beth said, she's like, as soon as my father dies, I'm willing to sell it. So maybe they're just going to play nice until then. Or maybe Caroline's going to say, OK, we'll work for me and we'll we'll make Montana the next Colorado and then I'll get the land I want eventually. That's actually probably maybe it's a long, long the, term, the long game. Yeah, that that's probably where this is. Like maybe Beth is considering like, how much longer does this man have to live? He's been shot up, you know, because that line that she says about like, um, until he dies, like I'm guarding this Alamo that he's created. Mm-hmm. His dream is my Alamo. Right. And that's what I mean. Like there was a lot of good lines in this episode. Yeah. Can I just ask a question? Why is nobody concerned about Rourke? <laughs> has anyone found him yet? Uh <laughs> 
no, sure. Well, they found him, and it was just like a kayaking accident. You yeah, know, he's like fishing and two point so fishing accident. <laughs> oh my God, kayaking. <laughs> so you know, wow, just you random dug, people you dug deep there. <laughs> <laughs> just showing up dead because it is Montana. There's bears and snakes. So, right. you oh know, my. I don't know. They found him. It made an article in the news and it's a loss. I feel like nothing's ever really gone here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where this goes, though. But if she does go after Schwartz and Meyer, it, it gives my Bob theory that I, I adopted from Facebook a right. little bit more meat. True. Because he's got a lot of ins on her. And it'll be interesting to see because, like, now Markwood Equities knows a lot about how Beth operates. So her wiggle room is going to be severely diminished. What I mean by that is the fine print of having the Yellowstone be a co-owner in all of this land that was that Schwarzenmeier bought. So, mm. so much so that Schwarzenmeier doesn't have a controlling stake in their land. So I feel like a lot of the things that she's used to doing, she's not going to be able to do now. So it'll be interesting to see where this You're goes. Right. Yeah. But she seemed happy with getting a new job. But by her saying that she made them an offer they can't take, it's like, oh, she was just trying to get her to go away. I didn't seem like she was that immediately interested in the job. I think she's probably more interested in not being investigated. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so like, okay, I'll work for you if you don't sue me. Looks like we'll see more of that next episode too. So that's yeah. good. This conversation that Beth and John have on the porch, she tells them about the checks that started rolling in for the show horses, uh-huh. which were substantial. Yeah. I saw one for 23,000, one for 17,000. I lost track after that, but there's a I stack. saw one for 14. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking like $50,000 at the first show, Yeah, which is pretty amazing. We'll backtrack into a little more when we talk about Monica and Casey. But John just looks so sad, so dejected, sitting on the porch, saying to her, why do all my children have to leave to find happiness? I was really upset by that. I think she's right, though, that people can't live in that turmoil for very long. And if it doesn't bother you, then it's fine. But if it does bother you, you can't live like that. Yeah, it's almost like if, if it doesn't bother you, you're part of the problem. True. Right? That's perpetuating it. Yeah. I don't know. It just really upset me that that was John's revelation. Mm-hmm. My mind always goes to like, well, why is this here? Is this a signal then that John might change his mind about certain things? But, you know, Beth rapidly changes the subject before he gets any deeper into his feels and has this really <laughs> Beth-like uh, decision that he needs to get mm-hmm. a girlfriend and, and that she's on it. And yep. I just love his response. He goes, this man-to-man, like the, we've, these man-to-man talks have gone far enough, basically. Yeah, like, we need to He's stop just like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, there's a lot about Beth this episode. And it was like sneaky. It was like undercover, you know, a lot about mm-hmm. Beth. With her and Rip. Oh, my gosh. Why did she get so upset about his birthday? I was just shocked because it's such an un-Beth-like stance to take. Because Rip is now different. This is the relationship that she can now be vulnerable and lean into. I think she trusts it. And when you care about someone, you want to celebrate them. You want to take care of them. And to not have a birthday is really sad. I would just feel the same way. I just feel like if no one has ever celebrated your birthday, like I would throw you the biggest birthday party I could manage. And I think that that's just, we're seeing that side that they are, she's caring about him in a way that she can't care about anything. Like, this is the one thing that she can open her heart to. So I think it'd bother anybody if the person you cared about was never appreciated or celebrated or given a gift. Yeah, your birthday is a very personal thing to know, right? I love what you said about like her opening up and being vulnerable. And I think that that's 
for me, like when you said that, I was like, yes, I was like, okay, I get that. I understand that, Mm -hmm. that she's never probably allowed herself to care. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I like, I like your response. I like the fact that she gives him a day that she just picks one and like it's something that's coming up, I guess, in in their time frame. And that's awesome. She made him a Libra, right? I guess. (laughs) I'd make him a Scorpio. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I love their interactions too. It's it's like three in the morning. He's just like, he's like, dude, I'm tired. (laughs) She's like, just get over it. You're going to do this. You know, I'm going to get my way anyway. Mm-hmm. But I also like the fact that he doesn't judge her for this vulnerability. Now that you've now that you've yeah. brought this to my attention, like the, his his reactions to her are so genuine, and I think that he's also someone who's never been allowed to feel, yeah, or never allowed himself to feel. And they're both kind of in this uncharted territory, and I think they're bringing out some good qualities in each other that might rehabilitate them as people in this show. Mm-hmm. he's bringing out this softer side of her. Like she, she wanted to learn how to cook, right? <laughs> Did some hamburger helper. And she's bringing out some really good things in him too. And I think some of it's manifesting in how he reacts to Carter, believe it or not. Like, I feel like it's almost like he's, he's taking in the love that she's giving him and the vulnerability she's showing him. And he's showing some of that to Carter in a way. I think we will see that. Yeah. I, I think we will see. I feel like we've, that, we're yeah. seeing the foundation of it. Like I see yeah. where he's going with it. And like he's he's definitely trying to connect more with him than we've seen her try to connect with him. Like, you know, he's mm-hmm. telling her that she's got to win back his trust. He's got to win back her trust. So he is taking in a vested interest. And I think that some of that has to do with the fact that Beth has opened up her heart to both him and to Rip. I love that John's like, oh, he messed up. Pissing off my daughter. That is not a good plan, sir. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> I thought that was great. He was like, oh, hail. Just quickly about Rip and Carter. So what I meant, you know, Rip is having these, these, I can't really call them heart to hearts. They're not really heart to hearts, but it's laying the foundation for making, I feel like this is maybe what John had done to Rip when Rip first came to the ranch. Like some of these life lessons. Or sort of like truth bombs. As you're walking through the barn, he's like walking by. He's like, oh, by the way, like, let me tell you something about life. But yeah, it's like he's trying to just speak into his life not necessarily connect yet but just right kinda but like I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking an interest like you're moldable still like you're not a lost cause you're not a lloyd perhaps <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about lloyd oh my gosh yeah i have things to say about that too yes i just liked what rip said here that there are two roads he's basically making it really simple for this guy there's two roads you can either you're, you're either winning or learning or you're losing Right. So you have to choose quickly. Otherwise, soon the choice will be taken away from you. Yeah. And Carter can relate to that because, you know, this is what we talked about the last time out that he said, you know, life has kind of robbed him of all his options (laughs) in the most unfortunate year old way to respond to something. But I just liked this because that's also where the title of this episode came from. And then I was like, oh, a little quick check. And I feel like Casey is learning. You know, so just to, you know, bring it back to, you know, the characters in the show. Like I said, like, I feel like Casey's doing a lot of growth this season. It's only four episodes in, but there's been a lot of emotional movement of the needle with Casey. Like he's reading Monica better. And we'll talk about that. Um, I feel like his connection with John is definitely getting better. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, just kind of like doing a quick read of the room, like who's learning, who's winning, who's losing. But for me, Casey was really like the star of who's learning this episode. 
So talking about Casey and we see him talking to John about he doesn't know what to do with his family. I like that John called him out and was like, dude, what's going on? Because it doesn't seem like something that may have happened in the past. They might have been one of those families that like don't talk about the conflict kind of thing. Or your family, like what's going on with you? Like they're not all, tell me about your day, you know? So maybe in the past, John may not have even cared or asked what's going on with Monica and Tate. But the fact that he brought it up was important to me. And then saying like, dude, you got to fix this. You got to do something. And for Casey to actually listen to that, like, I don't know what to do, but you got to do something. And the only thing you can do is talk about it. Like go to her and say like, Hey, we have to do this. Like we have to talk about it. Right. This can no longer continue. It needed to be done. Like we said last time in our podcast, like (laughs) they need some therapy. And so let's do this. Like let's move the situation for Monica and Tate and, and heal because you can't keep yourself locked in the bedroom and hiding under the bed. So right. Whatever you're doing is not working. So it's time to do something different. Time to step up and do something about it. So this whole solution that Casey has is it really a solution did he yeah I'm questioning whether it's actually going to help but I'm glad he did something could Monica have moved any faster (laughs) that was kind of like a little cheesy yeah like a cheesy part of the story like normally I don't know I feel like there needed to be a little bit of conversation like okay let's do this can we go now or can we go tomorrow like but for her to just jump up and start packing like it was a little silly but I think she's proven a point that like it's you know she's it's time like she's cooked she's done and I liked that when Tate asked Casey if he was going he said like yes of course I wasn't sure you know because we're not quite sure where Casey and Monica are at so right because the last time they left it it was just Monica yeah It made me happy that Casey was seeing this as like, oh, no, we're all going to work together. on this together. So that was good. That makes his life way harder, though. <laughs> or at least right. his uh, wake up call <laughs> way <Yeah>. earlier. Because <laughs> right, I was going to drive an hour plus from wherever. Yeah. But this conversation between Monica and Casey, though. I did really like the fact that he did pull her aside and she's like, dude, I don't have the strength for this right now. And he was just like, "Uh, yeah, but it still needs to happen. I feel like older Casey or like younger Casey, right, in seasons (laughs) past, right, would have been like, okay, fine. Like, you don't want to talk about it now. We won't talk about it now. But he was like, no, like we need to, you know, get past this. We need to move on. Like he, he took what John said and he, he KC'd it for, for like his relationship. Like he took his own spin on it. Yeah. I just appreciated the fact that he needed an answer Mm -hmm. for when she said that she hated him. Like he was just not going to let that go because I don't think he could live in a world where she really hates him. And she's right too. I mean, she would have been gone a long time ago. So I think this is a good step. They're going to try something different. I'm not necessarily convinced it's the right step, but it's a step forward. So I still think there needs to be a counselor involved or some sort of doctor. But Definitely. Some some sort of like talk out your feelings, process yeah. your trauma, because that's just not happening here. Maybe we'll get there. I probably Papa Felix has some some wisdom. He's going to have some sage advice. I just mm-hmm. I just worry about her going back to the reservation and just being confronted with the issues that haven't gotten resolved, like the fact that her family's no longer there. Right. Her brother's kids have been shipped off to Seattle. Right. You know, she had some problems living on the reservation, too. She was upset at the abject poverty that you know the people lived in. That's what I mean. It's maybe not a solution, but it's, it's a change. Right. So. And, you know, maybe, you know, I, I joke around like when I go 
to where my, my family comes from in Ireland. And like, I, I say, I go back there to like re-energize my batteries. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's like, you know, it's where my family comes from. Like we've been in that land since like 1855, you know, so we have several generations that go back there. So like, I feel like when I go there, like I call that home, mm-hmm. even though I've never lived there. But right. like for me, it feels like home and, you know, my, my aunt lives there. My cousins live there. I spent a lot of time there as a kid and my son, he was three years old when the first time I brought him there and he was right at home. He made himself right at home in this place he'd never been to before. All these people talk different. So I understand that notion of like going home and like, mm-hmm. you know, recharging the batteries. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just worried what this is going to do to her right? in terms of her her likability on Facebook. <laughs> um, no, oh, no, I just goodness. worry about like the strain that this is going to put on her relationship with Casey because it's almost like they're going back to the starting line. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to highlight a lot of the dysfunction that exists on the ranch, I think. So it's just going to create more friction. I feel. Well, I did notice the second time I watched it that Casey said, let's go back to your grandpa's house until we find something closer. So I guess his thought was maybe they can buy a neighboring piece of property. Right. Or, well, there's a ton of houses on the property. I guess that's not, that solution didn't work. So maybe they can have their own little piece of farm, you know, next door. Right. And that's would be pretty far away to actually be next door. So it sounded like he was thinking they would be somewhat back in the vicinity. So that could work maybe. I know. Like we we'll need see. to get to episode five already because we, yeah. <laughs> we need to get our questions answered. Yeah. Who's next? Oh, all of our boys. Oh, the bunkhouse. Oh. Our bunkhouse situation. All right. Can we talk about Lloyd? <sighs> okay. Also, I'm going to go out and say, why is everybody picking on Lloyd? Like, Facebook did not like this <laughs> version of Lloyd or Rip or in this whole situation did not go well on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. What's up with him? I don't know. Lloyd's been a little bit of a simmering pot ever since yes. Walker came back on the scene and Laramie, you know, Laramie switched, switched bunk beds, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. Because it's really, it really is bunk bed. Yes, that's how it worked. Yeah, so I mean, he's been throwing Laramie and Walker as they cuddled on the couch and Lloyd is sitting there throwing eye darts at them. Mm -hmm. So this isn't new. No, it's been simmering. It came to a boiling point, to take that metaphor a little deeper. Okay, so the cow doctoring thing with the pink eye. Yeah. What was your take on Lloyd's decision to bring him into the shoot when everybody else was like, oh, that's not a good idea? I think as soon as anyone like was like, why? It just pissed him off. It was like, well, because I said so, you know, maybe he knew that wasn't the right decision. Once someone said like, uh, we shouldn't do that. But you have to save face. Like you can't admit you're wrong when you're on the back of a horse. You got to be like, no, that's what I said to do. So I think he was just trying to assert some authority right there. Yeah. I feel like when Walker challenged him, like that's when yeah. he, you know, yeah, really just kind of lost pissed him it. off. I knew that that wasn't going to be the end of it, basically, that that was no. just the start of it. I don't think he was just able to stomach it when Rip and John basically told him that he needs to reverse his decision and then right, you yeah. know, he had to take the ridicule then from the rest of them. But like Walker was doing like a decent thing. Like he so does Walker know what's going on with Lloyd? Of course. He, so yes. he, okay, you think he knew hundred percent. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was nice of him to like bring the plate of the disgusting food over to Lloyd. <laughs> 
It was disgusting. When, when, when you found out what it was. Well, when Teeter said some bits and Jake spits it out, it was like, I was like, oh God, what's in there? (laughs) But like, I just thought it was nice that Walker brought this over to him, didn't have to do that. Or was this Walker's way of saying like, I've had enough and this is it. We're going to dance now. I didn't think Walker was trying to push the situation by doing that, but I, I think he knows that he's pushing his buttons and, and egging him on and just pissing him off. I don't know. Maybe the bowl of food was a nice gesture, but I mean, he knows that Lloyd is just like beyond piss. So I don't know if that was the him being kind or, or just bringing it to a head, but either way, I mean, he knows, Walker knows that Lloyd is pissed for sure. So now Lloyd throws the first punch or kick mm-hmm. or whatever starts the fight. I love the fact that Rip is trying to have this heart to heart or whatever he's having <laughs> with Carter and here's the brawl and it's just like, <laughs> excuse me a minute. Yeah. So what he said, so what Rip said when he walked in, I was like, I've heard this before. Girl, I went back to season one, episode four, The Long Black Train, the first time we get to see the train station when they okay. took poor Fred to the train station, when Lloyd took poor Fred to the train station for punching Jimmy. And Rip yeah. says to him the exact same thing. I'll fight you all goddamn day. You want to fight someone on this ranch? You come to me. There's no fighting on this ranch. And you don't yeah, hit a Brandon man. that's the rule. Man, right. You don't hit oh. a Brandon man. Okay. And he schools Jimmy on the fact that, like, you have the brand. We're family. You die here. This mm-hmm. is family. But they took Fred to the train station for fighting. So what does this mean for Lloyd? He started a fight. He hit a Brandon man. Brandon <laughs> hit him back. Brandon man Rip came in and... <laughs> hit Lloyd. I just don't know what the rules are when branded men hit branded men. They hit him back and move on. I mean, they're not going to take him to the train station. But Lloyd, when he gets up, like, so the next day, I mean, he is looking pretty worse for wear. That's what I, why do people think he's leaving? I missed it. So before I even saw the Facebook theories, I was Uh just like, um, so when he gets up, it looks like he picks something up. Like he hangs his hat, right? He has his hat in his hand and, but he picks up something next to him and we can't see what it is. I don't know. Was it a bag? I don't know. Uh It was a jacket. I don't know what it was, but it just like, he just looked so sad and he was kind of looking around the room. I was not getting some good vibes here. Like I, so this brings me back to like, Wade Morrow. Remember Wade mm-hmm. from season three, the guy that they took the brand back from? Like yep. he was branded. He left. Yep. How did that happen? I right. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, is there like a punishment policy for fighting on the ranch? <laughs> like, I just feel like it's hmm. really hypocritical to have a no fighting policy on the Dutton Ranch. Just you can't. Yeah, like I agree. You just like took out like a half a militia three episodes ago. Yeah. Two episodes, two episodes ago. I guess it's like like siblings, like you don't fight with your like yeah. your siblings can fight, but nobody else can fight with your siblings. Otherwise, you got to like step up. I just don't know where this is going with Lloyd. I don't know if that was just good cinematography just to like, you know, have us talking about it for 10 minutes here mm-hmm. because it does. It does look like he picked up something and he's looking around and he's just like he's he's like physically and emotionally hurt okay. to me. That, that was my take on it. I didn't get quite all of that because what I was paying attention to was the fact that the rule is you fight Rip. So when Rip walked in and and hit Lloyd, that seemed like that's an understood expectation for what happens on the Yellowstone. I do think he should have also hit Walker, which Facebook was like, why didn't he hit Walker? I agree. Like they both were fighting. So I guess fight both of them, Rip. But I would think since they're both like your point, they're both branded men. They don't have to go anywhere. It's just like a fight. Get over it. Like, let's move on. 
but I don't know. So I didn't catch on to why people were saying, where's he going? Why is he leaving? Do you think he's leaving? And I was like, wait, what? Why would he leave? So I didn't see that or feel that. I felt that he was in pain, injured, and was like, man, this hurts. But I didn't, I didn't see that he was like trying to leave. So I hope not. I don't think he deserves to leave. I think that people get upset, fight it out, move on. I don't know. Like, so the other thing, I don't that think it needs to be that big of a yeah. Lloyd has to leave situation. So I'm not sure where why they did it this way, but also the fact that the cowboys. So the the scene cuts to the cowboys. They're all getting their horses for the day's work, and Lloyd is not with them. Mm-hmm. That was also my question. I was like scratching my head, like, hmm, what's that all about? So I'm not sure. He better not be leaving. I mean, the Yellowstone is definitely having a personnel problem. But then, like, <laughs> if Lloyd leaves, like, Lloyd knows a lot. So if Lloyd has to leave, the only place he can go is the train station. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's where the Duttons are going with that. Like, I doubt. I, I doubt, doubt it. that that's where you they can't do that to Lloyd. Like, he's been the loyal soldier throughout all of this. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, damn, I heard this before. And I went back. I was like, I knew exactly where I heard it. I'm like, Jimmy and Fred were fighting. <laughs> and I went back. Thank you, Peacock. <laughs> well, the only thing, so if not from the episode and what we saw, did I get this theory, but based on like the actual information coming from the series about the four sixes, there's some talk about Walker being at the four sixes with Jimmy. So maybe Walker gets kicked out and has to go, but Jimmy has a brand and he's not on the ranch. So, I mean, it's not just because you don't stay here doesn't mean you have to die, right? Right. It feels kind of arbitrary, the rules a little bit. Yeah. So and we don't, we don't know all the rules. Just maybe yet. Lloyd stays and Walker goes, but you can't take either one of them to the train station. Okay, people. No. I'm not okay with that. For as much as Walker has not been happy at the Yellowstone, he's definitely proven himself, though, to be loyal. Yeah, he's done what he needed to do to stay alive. (laughs) Exactly. So you mentioned Jimmy. So really, he's the only one left. Because we didn't have rainwater at all this episode, right? There was nothing with him. No, uh-uh. So... Jimmy. So we saw his little journey to Texas. So welcome, welcome to Texas, Jimmy. <laughs> it's hot here. It, yeah, it's really hot. hot. Well, like Nia said, 110 in the shade. Although I did not experience that. Apparently, I had your week of good weather for yep. me. It got hot after that. <laughs> did it really? Yes. It's so. It's nice today, but like two days ago, it was like literally sweating. Like, oh my god! In shorts and flip flops. Like, what is happening? And Anyways, okay. <laughs> but what? we see this journey with Travis. So two things that like didn't sit well with me with Jimmy that I had like this really bad like sense of foreboding was when the Yellowstone Ranch showed their horses like Travis was doing his little his little horse showmanship there and mm-hmm. raking in the dough when he said to the the receptionist or the cashier that just to send the checks to the address on file I was like oh no like what it, like this is what Yellowstone has done to me people. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like are the checks going to get intercepted? Is somehow Jimmy going to like, you know, mess this up? And like someone is like out to get the Duttons. And so I was like, you need to calm down and take a breath, girl, because they <laughs> land on overthinking it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm like, mm-hmm. they, they show these things for a reason, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Why didn't he send the letter to Mia? What? Because he had nothing to say. What can you say to make it better? I would just apologize, you know, for just maybe not showing up the way he should have. Or I don't know. It made me sad that he didn't have the maturity or the, yeah, I guess the maturity to mm-hmm. want to make things right with her. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's just giving up. Like, he's yeah. just resigned himself. Like, this is where he is and this is what he's going to have to do. And that's just the end of it for him. The other moment yeah. I had of foreboding was when he was, like, drifting off to sleep. 
with Travis in the car. Like, so Travis is driving and like, I don't know. I just like the way that the camera kept showing the road. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I remember the doctor saying like how like perilous his neck is. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, something bad's going to happen. But then something funny happened. So I'm watching this with John the other night when it aired and Travis is quoting the line, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. And he says it's from yeah. the greatest movie ever made. So because I recorded this on my iPad, because I don't trust my on-demand service all the time, John quoted it before Travis finished the line that the movie was Roadhouse. Yep, Roadhouse. <laughs> my husband watches that movie all the time. I feel like I, Why? I haven't I seen it. it in its entirety in probably 20 years. Yeah. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. I love Patrick Swayze. Well, but yeah. to be able to quote it that readily, that he was able to like beat the line you know, out the mm-hmm. guy's mouth, I was like, wow. So this must be a gender thing. So yeah, it's cool. a, it's let, a let, us know. let us yeah, know. I Fe- don't get it. Females, males that listen. Um, were you able to readily as, uh, as John and or Travis to quote that movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone who loves the movie Roadhouse is, it calls it like the greatest movie ever. Like, I feel like Guys I've been in these conversations. I feel yes. like it was, yeah. I love this movie and I, I, I'm not against the movie. I like the movie. But do we have to watch it every single time it comes on TV? For some people, it's one of those movies. Like you it know. is, and for my husband, we have to watch it. And it doesn't matter where it's every at. single time. It could be yeah. ten minutes from the end of the credits, right? You know, have to watch it. Right. No, can't change the channel. So, but I did laugh at him at Travis saying that he wants to when he grows up he wants to be Sam Elliott with Patrick Swayze's hair. Sam Elliott is in the 1883. And, yes. Uh, reboot. Well, not reboot. The spinoff. Thank you. So I just I like how Travis is is here and he's like showing that this is like the reason that the show exists kind of thing for like the horses mm-hmm. and the, the ranching part of it and also laying these foundations for the four sixes. Whatever this ends up being, I am going to 100 percent watch it because now I'm invested because yeah. of this conversation he has with Jimmy on the ride down saying that, you know, you know, why does he do the rodeo if he broke his back, broke his neck? I mean, he's kind of making fun of him at the same time. But mm-hmm. I just like this whole conversation about like you do it for the horse and what he's going to get out of being at the four sixes. Like he's going to learn so much about rodeo and about horse training. I can't yeah. speak the words the way that my words are meant to be said today. I just really liked how Travis was kind of laying this out. Like you either like never get off a horse for the rest of your life or you'll never ride a horse again. And yeah. it just made me hopeful for Jimmy that he's going to find himself. Like he, yeah. I, I feel like this is the middle ground because he loved the rodeo uh, not yeah. so much for the horse riding, but from the attention I think that it gave him, and because he said he liked the crowd and the lights and things it's like, like he that. Could, he could succeed at it, right? Like and I, I feel like he might cheering for him. They liked him. Yeah, I feel like he might learn the right fundamentals to make him really good at it. And I'm hoping that that's where he finds his happiness because he's not himself. Like, and they're doing a really good job in showing how lost he is. And I think you and yeah. I made the, com- the comment before uh, in one of the prior episodes that he's kind of reverting back to like season one, Jimmy, who kind of doesn't have a clue. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this like lost his way. Yeah. I'm enjoy. I learned a lot this week from the Facebook fans about this particular subject, like with the horse shows showmanship and um, like, like not all horses can turn like that and stop like that and slide like that. And then I think we were seeing Jimmy, like when he was watching Travis perform and he just sort of had this look of, 
like, wow, on his face. So I think we are going to see. Yeah, I think we are going to see that this is like his new place in the horse rodeo like arena and that it's like less dangerous and he can succeed at it and find his way. So, but yeah, I learned a lot. They were talking about how much money and that these horses were worth and that they are getting paid this amount of money. And, and he saw, um, I mean, he was signing for the check. So he sees how much potential is there. I mean, he made enough to like pay off his, his debt. Yeah. Back in season, was it season two? And he learned how to rodeo. Season two, I'm sorry, there's been a lot of episodes, but he like made enough in his first win to settle his debt. I think he owed like eight grand or something like that. Yeah. So I think he's seeing the potential and that if he, I think now I get why John saw this for him. Like this is where he sees that Jimmy can excel in something because he, he sees that he has a talent. John does. And I think he's just worried that he's not using it correctly. And maybe if he has a better head for business about it, he can find a love for the sport. Maybe that doesn't involve him necessarily having to be the one doing the dangerous things now that he's so fragile. Is he going to stay at the four sixes forever though? Or is he going to make it back to the Yellowstone? I kind of don't think he would make it back. If that's the path he went into horse showing and I'm not sure he would make it back to the Yellowstone. I mean, does he really have anything left in Montana to come back to is my question. Exactly. Like his grandfather's dead. Yes, he has this brand. The Yellowstone is his family, quote unquote. But does he really believe it? I really love the fact that he got to this four sixes and and Travis is like, this one goes to the the horizon in every direction. Mm -hmm. One Facebook comment I saw said that is the ranch that Doc is someone who works on the four sixes. Oh, for real? That's what one of the commentaries said. Cool. Um, The person commenting said they lived near that ranch and that Doc is the animal veterinarian that works at the four sixes. Well, that is an appropriate name for an animal doctor. Yeah. (laughs) But I like, I sort of thought it was a good ending to pan up from this corral and see this completely flat horizon of Texas and how it's completely different than the background behind the Yellowstone. Like, I liked that ending to the episode. I thought, okay, like, this is a very different landscape. That's actually a really great observation, I think, because if you're looking to make a fresh start or if you're being forced Mm -hmm. to make a fresh start, having a place that looks nothing like where you just left is a really good way to start. Rattlesnakes and scorpions. At 110 degrees. (laughs) Apparently, you need flip-flops and shorts in the the late autumn. Oh, it's still November. Still November. I felt like it's already December with the way my schedule is going. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I really, really want to see this next episode with Jamie and his dad and this guy in prison. And I cannot wait to see what happens there. I am excited for that. Like the meeting with with Riggins, like we were going to sit down. We're going to we're going to find out his first name. I think he's just T. Riggins. I'm like, Tim Riggins, (laughs) Friday Night Lights. I've seen a little too much. Tom, Tim. I'm just looking to see when this four sixes spinoff is coming. I don't think it's until next year. Yeah, it's not because the 1883 is in December, and we haven't heard anything about when the four sixes is premiering. So apparently, it's coming though. Yeah, so they're shooting currently at the four sixes, and Kelly Riley is part of it too. Oh, really? Yeah, she has an Instagram post. Somebody posted a picture of their sister or somebody posing with Sam Elliott. And they're like, oh, right into him. They're filming. 
Yeah, so Kelly Riley uh, on her Instagram, so April 30th, she had a picture um, that she was out riding at the Four Sixes Ranch today. So, yeah, so I don't know if there's really a production date yet or a release date, but I know it's sometime in early 2022 that they're talking about this, you know, being ready. But, yeah, um, yeah, we're only a few weeks away from the premiere of Yellowstone 1883. I think it comes out, like, December 19th on Uh Paramount. So I'm just excited. Like I, this episode in particular, there was extended commercial breaks, you know, showing the intro to, you know, how the Duttons got there, the covered wagons and things like that. So I, I mean, I love all that history, you know, diving back into that. So I'm excited to, to see that start out and see the Duttons origin story. It's going to be really good. Well, we just want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in, liking, sharing, commenting. We really appreciate all of your time. And uh, hope that we will meet up with you guys again next week. And I just want to say thank you. A couple of you have been reaching out on Twitter and you know through DMs and things like that, sharing your comments and sharing your likes. So I appreciate that. I answer if I get them. So I just appreciate the interaction because we love to hear that you guys are listening, what you guys think. It just it goes a long way to you know making this even more enjoyable. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.